All right, this is the Coast to Coast Combat Hour. Uh, Tuesday, March 10th. So far surviving the coronavirus along with me, Matthew Hawkins. And this week we are joined by managing editor of MMANews.com, Fernando Quiles Jr., uh, who was with me at the Bellator MMA press conference yesterday. And and, uh, obviously we all uh, put our eyes across UFC 248. So uh, welcome, Fernando. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so you guys made it out there to uh, New York City, huh? What was the uh, what was the vibe around there, especially with the uh, the combination of Viacom and CBS now? You know what? I think it was it was, it was pretty interesting because of you know me and Ed were talking about how potentially there may be something there with Showtime that uh, Bellator president Scott Coker may um, announce, but nothing was announced as of yet. Coker did say in the beginning of the press conference that he's looking forward to the next year, two years, even three years, but he didn't really hint at uh, anything in terms of potentially being on Showtime or even uh, Bellator being on CBS for like maybe a, a show a year or something like that. But other than that, we really just took in the growth of Bellator over the last few years. And I, I think that was my uh, main takeaway as it pertains to anything uh, Viacom and CBS. Yeah, I mean, um, I had uh, Fernando and I sat next to each other uh, when they were doing everything. And one of the things I, I mentioned to him was, like, I, I was like, I don't know if they're going to talk about Steven Espinosa or, you know, or I mean, uh, what was I forget one of the other speculations that I made was that they would become making a, a New York announcement because they're in New York and we didn't get that. But um, there was a, a lot of events and I didn't realize how many guys from SBG were going to be there. And, uh, I mean, we got to – I mean, I know we're going to talk about UFC 248, but I get, we, we might as well get into it. It was uh, – it went from, like, your average, like, press conference, like, hey, we're, here's, here's some dates and here's some fights to, uh, you know, here's some fights almost right now. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was pretty crazy. I mean, uh, I didn't realize there was so much heat between the Pitbull Brothers gym and, 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 and the SBG. I did. I just saw a bunch of still photos. I didn't. I didn't catch the entire interview. I saw or the press conference. I saw about the first. I don't know twenty minutes or so up until where they inter, they kind of introduced all the the guys for the stage. And then, uh, I mean, a couple of the surprises were uh, we get Chandler Henderson too, and uh, AJ McKee uh, maintaining his spot in the tournament uh, despite the the rumors. Or I don't know if they were rumors or if it's hundred percent true. He had reconstructive knee surgery but he's got uh yeah. he's got caldwell on june 6th um i believe you talked to antonio mckee what or I, i'm sorry aj mckee what was his uh what's the situation with his knee well he did have surgery uh and uh he said he's good to go um if the full interviews up at mmanews.com's youtube channel i'll be sure and add uh like the links and the cards and stuff uh once this this stream is done for folks to check it out um There'll be articles coming off of that too, but pretty much the gist of it is, uh, he did have uh, the injury, he did have surgery. Uh, he's doing good. He's already back to training. Uh, he's, he said he's working his way up to doing squats and stuff like that. So he he's not concerned at all about being um, delayed. Um, we actually worked the room pretty well, Fernando and I. So uh, like I got, I got, we almost got like half of like uh, with uh, no one got Darren Caldwell because he kind of left. Uh, if you look at the photo, he actually had a mask on. I don't know if that was coronavirus or intimidation stuff, um, but uh, 
yeah, we, we worked the room pretty well. So, so, um, yeah, the, the, the injury thing is true. And, uh, but he's, he's all right. I mean, he was a little bit, uh, he tried to get at Caldwell in Caldwell's head a little bit during, uh, the, the stare, the face off. So, um, yeah, that was, that was, uh, that was my conversation with him. Um, uh, Fernando, you know what? I didn't really get to look at the, uh, the interviews, uh, because you you are a, we got a lot of views off of that Nemkov interview, so uh, can you just take us through what uh, what he had to say? Well, basically, I had asked uh, Vadim Nemkov because the funny thing is, right, just before Nemkov, I interviewed Ryan Bader, and Bader was telling me that uh, even though he respects Nemkov and thinks that he deserves this light heavyweight title opportunity, he feels like there's a lot of holes in this game, and he mentioned the cardio. Uh, there's a big question about Nemkov's cardio. So I asked Nemkov about uh, Bader's comments, and he said that he's actually been working on his cardio in the lead-up to this fight. And he said that he himself sees a lot of holes in Bader's game that he'll be looking to exploit as well. He made a a very funny comment. I asked him about uh, all the fracas that was going on between SPG Ireland and the Pitbull brothers. His his response, I thought, was, was incredible. He said that, you know, they're a bunch of little guys. So, you know, the little guys always feel like they have something to prove something to that effect and that the bigger guys are usually more calm and reserved. So I thought that that was a great answer. But Nemkov, to me, um, it seems like he seems ready for the opportunity. Whether or not the cardio improvements will actually come uh, remain to be seen. Yeah, how did um, – what, what did Bader look like? Uh, when you see Bader when he's a heavyweight, he's a, he's a monster. Um, he's always, even a monster generally at light heavyweight when I've seen him. Uh, I've never ran into him during a, a fight week for for a light heavyweight. But uh, what did he look like? Did he? I mean, did he look huge? Does he look like he has a lot of work to do to get down to 205? Uh, this will be the first time really that he's, um, you know, lived kind of as a heavyweight and, and will have to get down to light heavyweight for a fight. Uh, did he hint at all at uh, – a what his weight was like right now? Well, the interesting thing about that is that Bader for his last heavyweight fight actually weighed in at 228 pounds. That's not uh, too far off, too bad of a cut going down to 205. So I asked him about whether or not, you know, the, the weight I, I told him myself, I would imagine it's not much of a problem for you, but uh, whether or not going back and forth between light heavyweight and heavyweight would be an issue. He said, no, he said that his, he goes pretty much where his body wants him to go and his body wants him to go to light heavyweight. And so does Bellator right now. So uh, I don't think it, it'll be much of an issue looking at him. He seems like, you know, he, he's a, he's at a good size. He's always looked strong. Even when he cuts down to 205 pounds, I don't think it'll be an issue for him at all. That's interesting that he would be, uh, because I think well, I was at both those fights. The Fedor fight, I think he weighed in at like two thirty six, two thirty seven, and then he came in at two twenty eight for Congo. So that's you'd think it would almost be the opposite, but um, it worked out well for him in both situations. Yeah. Um, Nemkov seems to kind of have that same team Fedor attitude as uh, Tokov and Fedor. Um, I, I mean, obviously it's got to be Fedor rubbing off on these guys, or if it's just the the Russian mentality. But they all seem to have the same kind of. Uh, mentality is just you know kind of yeah. cyborgish you know what i mean yeah. like uh, uh not not no emotion but just there to do business i, I think it's actually going to be a big year for that for that team uh it's not going to be it's not going to be easy for nemkov but uh i think tokov and, and tokov uh i don't know what we want to call him tokov junior or his little brother i think those guys are are really uh really on a path to do some damage in bellator yeah no i, I agree with you and as far as that that, that whole uh, demeanor 
Um, you know, they, they definitely have a weird, uh, like, everyone in the room kind of, and uh, me and Fernando actually talked about that when Fedor, because Fedor was there yesterday, too. And uh, just so you know, Fernando, Fedor is like, uh, that's, that's Matt's man crush, you know, 9,000. Uh, he's got the sweater. He's got pictures and everything. And, uh, uh, you know, even, and Matt's in California, so if he wears, he's got a replica of that ugly sweater, and he wears that in hot-ass California to Fedor's fights when Fedor fights. So that, that's I, think how I, I still think I'm probably the only person in the world that Fedor asked to take a picture with. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what you get when you wear it. You know. you're, you're the only person that, that owns the same sweater as him. But you did get him to smile, though, so that, that was good, too, because, uh, yeah, he wasn't smiling. And, uh, and you know, I asked my question kind of like when I asked – I asked Nemkov, like, about the whole Fedor, you know, connection, like, obviously, because uh, he's fighting Bader and, and there's that whole – you know, there's, there's a story there of revenge and stuff like that. And he was like, you know, it's my fight, but I'm uh, – I'm definitely going to wreck him for, for uh, Fedor, too. But, um, yeah, no, I, it was definitely something that uh, it, those two guys, because of their size and the, and their mass alone, it's just like, uh, I mean, Fernando, not for nothing, Fernando's a pretty big dude. So, I mean, you're pretty tall yourself. So, I mean, uh, as far as, like, eye level, how, how, uh, how was it, like, standing in front of him? I know you were speaking through his translator, right? Yes. I was speaking through his translator. His translator was definitely shorter than both of us. I can tell you that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, as far as uh, Nemkov himself, I, I, I do believe that we, we, were, we were pretty much about the same height. But, man, Nemkov is built. Nemkov is in really good shape. Yeah, as far as, like, like I mean, he's big, you know, tall, and, and he's, you know, he's got shoulders from, like, one side of the room to the other. But uh, uh, one interesting that I think that happened when, when, the, when those guys started getting into it, because you asked them – about it, he made the little guy. I feel like everybody must have asked, "What, what was your take on all the drama in the room?" Every and no matter what fighter they spoke to, everyone kind of wanted their their reactions to it. So uh, I definitely asked that to everybody uh, in the interviews that are up on the MMA News uh, YouTube channel. But um, one thing, uh, one thing that uh, that happened to Fernando that was funny is that one at one of the early points where they started getting at each other was in the middle of Fernando's questions. I don't remember what you said that kind of uh, got everybody fired up. Even Scott Coker uh, kept saying to Fernando, like, next question, next question. And then, you know, Fernando was asked it. He was like, I'll take the Coker's advice and continue. But what, I forgot what you asked. It was uh, James Gallagher. I, it, it wasn't even a question to spark the, the whole argument. <laughs> All I had James Gallagher was, for his reaction to Hoist Gracie's kind words to him. You know, Hoist Gracie was recently on MMA Fighting's Eurobash podcast, and he had given um, Gallagher some props. He said that not only does Gallagher have the talent, but he has the discipline. So I asked for Gallagher's reaction to that. And, you know, towards the end of, of Gallagher's response, uh, Kyle Eleanor uh, really got uh, fired up, and those two just kept trading back and forth. Wow. Was there uh, so? I mean, what did, what they took uh, questions while on stage? Did they do a scrum after that? Is that how you got uh, to a lot of people as well? Yeah. Cool. Huh. Sure. Well, uh, I mean, uh, it's going to be a hell of a weekend this week. Did uh, did Pitbull? I mean, Pitbull's never had a problem making one forty five. As far as you guys could tell, everything uh, yeah. between him and, and Sanchez and uh, yeah, Weichel, I everything. I spoke with Weichel. I spoke with Pedro Carvalho. Uh, Sanchez kind of, kind of left early too. He, him and Caldwell kind of pulled a, 
uh, like backdoor, like peace. Like I know a couple other media folks got to speak to them and then they kind of left. But um, uh, that's actually one of the things I, I, I spoke with both Carvalho and I spoke with Weichel and, and I actually asked them about, I asked them how they felt. I asked them about, you know, if they were worried about shaking hands and stuff like that in New York because of the whole coronavirus issue. Um, uh, that's one thing that uh, they asked at the press conference too, is if, uh, you know, with all the cancellations we keep hearing about, I mean, even today, uh, if there's any any uh, plans on canceling the, uh, you know, U- Bellator 241 up in Connecticut. I mean, if you look at uh, John Hopkins has a really good, uh, like, heat map of places that are getting hit with the virus and, and you know, what's confirmed and what's presumptive, what, you know, deaths and all that. And uh, there's not a lot going on. <laughs> there's not a lot going on in Connecticut, period. But as far as viruses are concerned, there's not a lot going on in, in that aspect either. But... They said they're keeping in touch with the venue and keeping informed. They'll, they'll be doing media there uh, starting tomorrow. Um, and then, obviously, the weigh-ins are Thursday, and the, the fights are on Friday. So it doesn't look like that there's any threat of it being canceled. The fighters, uh, again, you can see their, their answers up on the MMA News uh, YouTube channel. Um, the interviews are up there, but uh, they seem like they're good to go. Um, nobody nobody seemed really... Uh, worried about it did you ask anybody about that fernando when you when you were there yesterday i did not but the general sense is that i i think that everybody uh took it in stride as a matter of fact you know i can't speak for darian caldwell maybe in other interviews he he had a different take on it but i honestly think that that the mask he had on was just for show and just a cool you know photo op right there i don't think that anybody was too worried about it or too concerned about it. I, I get that New York City recently surpassed Washington when it comes to the number of folks that have been infected by the coronavirus. But from what I was there, I, I don't think that uh, anybody was concerned. I think that it would have been great if Scott Coker was a part of the media scrums. He did not partake in the media scrums. I think he would have been the best person to ask if uh, yeah. this hurt business in, in any way. But um, from the sense that I got, I don't think that anybody was too concerned about it they just focused on fighting a couple things that work well one thing that kind of works in bellator's favor right now is that after this event on friday their next event isn't for like two months till uh may 9th so while as a fight fan you might be kind of bummed out that they're they don't have an event for two months it it actually probably works well in their favor i don't know if you saw the news but santa clara county which uh is san jose uh, in northern california actually put a block or i don't know what the exact word is but they banned gatherings of over a thousand people for Mm. the next three weeks so uh sharks games at at the sap center in san jose i think are going to be postponed or moved or played in in empty arenas i'm not sure exactly how this is all going to work out um i think that'll probably affect uh you know, any high school games, uh, I don't know if there's basketball playoffs or anything like that that are it'll affect, but um, they did that for three weeks. So that'll take us essentially to the end of this month, and then they'll, they'll, re, they'll regroup and figure out a new plan. But, uh, you know, I know flights, my San Jose flights that I have dropped like another 40 bucks. So um, round trip now to San Jose is like 68 bucks or something like that. So, you know, it, it as for a consumer, it's great if you want to travel, but I'm just <laughs> yeah. I'm just curious to see what's going to happen uh, with uh, with that. I, I mean, I hope it doesn't, you know. God, yeah. it, you know, I don't. Yeah. I, it'll be interesting to see what happens in Brooklyn with UFC, uh, the the uh, Habib Ferguson fight. Um, I mean, as it stands right now, I don't think I think it would be overreaction to start canceling these things, but yeah. 
the way it goes, you never know where we're going to be in, in six weeks or so. But um, how do you guys see the, 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 the tournament fights going this weekend? Uh, I don't know if you've done any predictions for, for MMAnews.com yet, but um, how, how do you see Pitbull and Carvalho and, and Weichel and Sanchez uh, unfolding this weekend? I'll let you go. go you can go first, uh, Fernando. So uh, the interesting thing about it is that I actually asked uh, Patricio Pitbull because he had uh, two wars with Emmanuel Sanchez and Daniel Weichel. And he said it was so hard to, to decide which of the two were, were going to win. But it, it appeared like he was leaning a little towards Daniel Weichel because of the punching power. He said he, he felt like uh, Daniel Weichel really gave him a, a tough test with his uh, punching power more so than even Sanchez. But even that is just uh, ever so slight. Um, that that that's that's such a that's going to be such a, a highly uh, contested matchup. Obviously, when uh, Sanchez fought uh, Pitbull, you know that there was a lot of uh, work being done uh, in the clinch against the fence. Those two were so evenly matched, but uh, Pitbull just got the better of him, just barely outworked him. And then Daniel Feistel almost stopped Pitbull in their first fight, only for Pitbull to come back and, and knock him out. And those two could very well be fighting a third time. So um, it, that, that fight is really hard uh, for me to decide, I, I guess, gun to the head. I would probably choose uh, Emmanuel Sanchez. Uh, but um, Vaishul could very well um, take the win. It's a, such a toss-up. As far as uh, Patricio Pitbull goes, I, I, I think he's going to take this. I think he's going to retain and uh, move on in, in the tournament. Uh, that's, that's how I see things playing out. I, um, I, 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 it's hard for me to pick against Pitbull, uh, you know, just because of the, the way that they fight, you know, when they, the way they come, uh, I mean, uh, I don't want to say it, it's, it's brawling or whatever, you know, because I know, I know they train and there's some technique to what they do, especially, uh, with their, with the, with their boxing. But, um, yeah, it's hard for me to pick against them, but, um. I mean, as far as uh, I did talk to Pedro Carvalho, and he was—he seemed so cool. He seemed so calm, cool, and collected. Uh, and in the interview, I think he says it in the interview. I don't know if he said, said it after I, I, I turned off the camera, but he was like, "I can make—I can make weight right now if they need me to. Like, I'm good to go." He told me he came early so he could acclimate, you know, get over travel and everything. And um, I mean, he wasn't worried about getting sick or anything like that. Neither was Weichel. Um, I didn't even, <laughs> I keep forgetting that, uh, Vaisal nickname is Drake <laughs> and then he had, he had on a very like coordinated outfit at the press conference. So, uh, but, um, yeah, when I talked to him too, I was just like, all right, I mean, these guys seem ready to go, but, um, it, it's, uh, Vaisal I've seen fight enough that, that, uh, I do like, I do like his odds, but as far as like uh, Pitbull and Carvalho, um, I mean, uh, it's hard, like I said, it's hard for me to pick against him. Yeah, no, I tend to agree. I think I've said it on the show before. I think Pitbull's a special talent um, in MMA right now. Obviously, he's the, the champ, champ, uh, featherweight and uh, lightweight champ for for Bellator. But I think uh, you know he's he's been a killer now for a long time. Uh, one of the faces of Bellator. I, I tend to go with. Uh, I think he gets a TKO uh, finish, maybe uh, maybe third, fourth round. I think uh, Favio put up a good fight, but I, I think. Uh, I think he'll get the fight down to the ground, perhaps, but I think down there he'll get he'll get beat up a little bit, and uh, and I don't think it'll end well for him. Weichel Sanchez, I see pretty much you guys uh, kind of a coin flip. Both those guys were uh, were really two of the highlights of the of the opening round of this tournament. 
um, both put on almost career performances. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I mean, Sanchez looked great against uh, 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 Claxton, uh, finishing him, and, the, and then Weishel picked up a decision over Rogers. But um, I, I was at both of those events, and uh, the uh, the Weishel, I was really impressed with Weishel because I wasn't necessarily sure he was going to win that fight. I thought maybe he was kind of going to start to hit the downside of his career a little bit, but um, he put his performance was was outstanding. I'm going to probably go. With, I'm going to. I know Weishel won the first fight by split decision. I think I'm going to lean towards him a little bit, but um, I certainly wouldn't bet money on this fight. I think it's it's going to be uh, another close decision between the two. Um, Sanchez adds a little bit of new flavor if he wins this fight. Uh, I know him and Pitbull had a, had a really close uh, championship battle, uh, I think, in your neck of the woods uh, a couple of years back now. Um, so that that would actually be the rematch I'd prefer to see. And obviously, AJ McKee and, and Pitbull, I think, would be the fantasy final um, in, a, in a sense at this point, assuming AJ McKee uh, is knee. That'll be interesting now. I mean, Caldwell really turns out to be probably the worst matchup uh, for McKee at this point. Um, with it, with it, you know, coming off of a knee injury, um, having to perhaps fight off uh, the takedowns and stuff. That'll that'll be an interesting to see how that unfolds. But yeah, I'll, I'm going to go with the, uh, you know, Weishel in a close decision and, and Pitbull by finish. Card's really loaded. Uh, I'm just kind of mm-hmm. catching a, a glance at it. But uh, again, another guy I've, I've praised, one of my all-time favorites, Paul Daly, uh, one of the kings of violence in MMA. He's on the card. Uh, Nick Newell, uh, one of the. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the staples, kind of East Coast MMA at this point. Uh, Tokoff, Mitrione, uh, filling in for Josh Barnett. That's an interesting situation. Have you guys heard anything else about Josh Barnett? Um, uh, what, about a month ago, we heard that he was going to be pulled from the card uh, for failing a test with Mohegan Sun while in – I don't know if it was – was it a pre-fight test for something? Was it a random test when he was somewhere? Do you, do you guys know much about that that story? I know Nolan King has the details on it over at MMA Junkie, but uh, I don't know if if, what, if uh, Fernando read anything on it. I, I don't know uh, uh, many details on it except for you know that when uh you know Bar- Barnett um, we obviously know in the past he's had you know certain certain issues with Isado. What I know for sure is that uh, Bellator uh, official Mike Mazzuli, What's his role in Bellator again? He's the he's the uh, athletic he's the head of the athletic commission for Mohegan Sun. You know that's that's the the sovereign land for the uh, Mohegan tribe. So usually, like he handles uh, when they go overseas, he's also the he he handles all the sanctioning and stuff like that. Since uh, since uh, you know a lot of places don't even have regulatory bodies uh, <laughs> when they go overseas, so he's pretty much the guy. They use him a lot, and uh, Mohe- you know Mohegan Sun's one of the that's why they go there so much because Mohegan Sun has hosted them uh, a lot, and uh, Mazzuli understands the sport and has you know uh, he's he's done a lot of work with Bellator since the Bjorn Bjorn Rebney days. So I do believe that in that article, Mazzuli said that unless Barnett can get this this whole thing cleared, that he's not going to be booked with Bellator going forward. So he's got to clear that up quickly. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, we all kind of like Josh Barnett. He's old school, but he's yeah. uh He's burned a lot of bridges. I, I think Bellator, honestly, at this point, would be smart to uh, to maybe separate themselves from him. Um, yeah, it's let, funny. Let him go no, thing in Japan. Yeah, it's funny nobody asked about that, and it's probably because that that uh, that Japan door is open. I know Coker only announced uh, you know things through the summer, but um, he also kind of hinted that they're going to have some more surprises for the end of the year. I have a feeling it's going to be like another c- collaboration with Ryzen in Japan, but. Who knows about my feelings? Because uh, 
I've been wrong half the time about half of everything I say anyway since in the in the recent days of MMA, including my picks. But um, I mean, uh, with that, I guess we can leave uh, Bellator behind us and. Real okay. quick, before it slips, uh, well, I, I mean, when I came out there for Bellator New York, the, uh-huh. the 180 New York card, have they had another New York card? Was there another one that I'm just not thinking of in my head, or was that their only Bellator trip out there? In Madison yeah, yeah. Square Garden. Okay. I, th- I thought there was another one. I just couldn't. Like, so it was fairly recent then. Um, okay. Yeah, no, they've been since you've been since you went to that one. They've they've been for they've had, they've been so they've been to the Garden twice and in Nassau Coliseum once. That's Sorry. right. That's right. The yeah. the Fedor Fedor what Sonnen at Nassau? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's okay. Cool. Yeah. Move on to UFC this past weekend. Uh, two world title fights. A uh, little bit of controversy that seems to uh, really show up at every uh, UFC event these days, whether it's judging or refereeing or uh, or just weight cutting. I guess. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess the the. Biggest takeaway from the event was the amazing uh, women's strawweight fight. Uh, uh, Weili Zhang, uh, Joanna Jinjacek. Uh, man, we uh, we talked about last week, Ed, that we thought this was going to be a barn burner and and uh, you know potential fight of the year, fight of the night. Uh, really lived up to that. Uh, a lot of people think it's the greatest uh, female MMA fight of all time, and and really one of the you know i mean you can't say top 10 necessarily but you could easily start to fall in the top 25 uh top 50 mma fights of all time um great fight uh i don't know how you guys saw it i uh despite what she looked like i i i had joanna edging it out um not a robbery in any account i I think it was three rounds to two either way and that's obviously how the judges saw it um but i uh i thought uh joanna did a little bit more um her, she didn't look like it. I, I think she had she not come and looking out like uh, you know Marvin the Martian. I think uh, hmm. I, I think she might have uh, swayed the judges a little bit. But I don't know how you guys saw it. Fran, you go ahead. That was a close one. Um, you, you know, at the at the end, I, I had thought to myself, um, you know, I think Whaley did enough to 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 win it, but maybe just barely. I wouldn't have been upset if Joe if it had went Joe on his way, but it's like you were saying that I do think that you know part part of how uh, Joanna looked uh, probably played a role in, in in the judges' decision. Anytime you come out of a fight looking like that, you know people think that you know you really had uh, the work put on you. But um, in reality, Joanna was there every single step of the way. I thought that if Whaley would get in the clinch, that she would. Uh, shock a lot of people and dominate Joanna because in the past Joanna has had success in the clinch. I just thought that Whaley was just on another level there. Uh, as it turns out, just all all areas of MMA, it's just those two were just neck and neck. So while I, while I did give Whaley the, the, the win slightly, right, that may be biased because, uh, well, I picked Whaley to win the fight before. <laughs> so uh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, you know what, man? I mean, uh, one of the things, is, like you said, it's a big takeaway. I, I made sure uh, the the editorials that I do for MMAnews.com is actually Fernando's idea to do the seven takeaways pieces, and that was one of, the, one of the things I took away was just how awesome that fight was, number one. Number two, um, I mean, I I know sometimes, like, like, Matt, you like to walk away and say who you think won. Like, I, that was probably one of the fights that I was just like, man, I don't even want to give an opinion on it because uh, I feel like it needs to happen again. <laughs> so that, I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm a fan of finishers. I like to see folks finish, but 
this was just almost like for first of all, I was pissed off that like why are you gonna talk to Joanna after like like sometimes they sometimes you don't you don't always need to interview the loser, especially if a if they got knocked out really bad or b if they looked like you know it, she had a whole John Merrick elephant man thing going with her forehead that I'm like, yo, she needs to get ice down and see a doctor. Stop talking to her. She even said, like, uh, at one point in the interview, like, listen, my head's not, you know, but she's still, you know, she's a warrior. I mean, I actually picked her to win. So the fact that it was a split decision, um, the thing that I wrote in the, in the seven takeaways piece was this, though. They need to do it again. It needs to be a main event, and it should have been a main event, especially on, you know, it, it's, it, it's a Women's History Month. The following day, I mean, I guess it was technically because it was like around midnight when it happened. It was already International Women's Day. You should have put those ladies at the top of the card only only because of what we saw in the main event. So. Yeah, I mean, well, that that was that was hindsight. I mean, I think we all thought the main event was going to be great. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I tend to agree with you on the interviews. Um, I think there needs to be a time at some point where both of those ladies, especially, probably should have just been taken to the hospital. Uh, I did, I did think the positive of inter- interviewing Joanna was that she always has had this reputation since she lost her first few fights of kind of being um, uh, not gracious in loss. Mm. Um, and, and uh, I mean, that's been one of the, the that's why a lot of people don't like her is they think that she's just too cocky and and hasn't accepted her losses. And she made some excuses uh, in her Rose fights. I don't think she made many excuses for uh, Shevchenko. I, I think she realizes she lost that fight pretty good. But um, it, it, she came off pretty humble. Uh, congratulated the winner. Didn't make any excuses. Um, I mean, she talked about her head being you know, swollen up, but I think that was a relevant excuse to a point. Um, I don't think anybody was going to call her out for, for uh, making up anything on that. Um, so I, I, I thought that was good. I think a rematch is, is called for um, in a big venue like that in Vegas, that being a headline fight as much as we love it. And maybe a rematch can do it. It still is hard for it to carry the, the weight of the ticket sales and, um, as much as we love that fight and, and we might be fans of women and women's MMA, it's still hard. Uh, as of the morning of the event, there was still a ton of tickets available. So even with the uh, Adesanya Romero headliner, um, they were still, I think, struggling. And that might've had something to do with the coronavirus situation. Mm. Um, but uh, basically, you know, when you have, when they have the events at T-Mobile, it's hard for them to sell out unless you're getting in there with the McGregor's and the, uh, you know, the Cormier, Miosic fights, that kind of stuff. Uh, other than that, you know, the, even the 245 with uh, Holloway, Volkanovski, and, uh, you know, that whole stacked card uh, up until the morning of the fight, there was still quite a few tickets available. So I don't know. I'd like to see a rematch. Um, I, we, I get back to, man, I wish they would do the fight week multiple events. I, I think oh, that please. would be a hell of a yeah. Friday night main event leading into maybe a McGregor fight or a, uh, you know, we, we got the rumors now of maybe Asanya uh, Costa and Masvidal and um, yeah, and uh, uh, Usman. So I mean, there's a potential for a lot of action. But, uh, but one last know. thing on the on the uh, on Zhang and, and and Joanna. I mean, I still say if they do it, obviously maybe not maybe not T-Mobile Arena, but Joanna's got a following. Joanna's got a following uh, uh, here in, on the East Coast in New York. If if they did it at the Garden or Barclays, I mean, I mean, I'm sure they could main event her and she draw because she's got a big she's got a big following out here. I'm sure Fernando uh, can can uh, attest to that uh, being in New York as a resident, and you know, I'm kind of just a visitor coming out from dirty ass Jersey, but um, you know, like like right, Fernando. I mean, 
when they've come out here, when Joanna's been out here, she usually draws a pretty big crowd with the flags and everything, right? Well, Ed, to your point, um, yes, uh, Joanna does have a following here in New York, and and they do enjoy her. But uh, it's interesting that you brought up uh, potentially booking that fight for New York City because I don't know if you caught it. At the post-fight press conference, Dana White was asked what he thinks should be next for Wei Li once she heals, and he said Madison Square Garden. So oh, that right. may be where they're heading next. Do you think they're – I mean, obviously she's the champ, um, and, and we talked – Ed and I talked about how she kind of got there, and things kind of might have fallen in place a little bit. Um, I, I think Joanna was her first – I mean, Jessica Andrade is, is a killer – but I think this was the first step as far as fighting a, a you know, top woman in the world um, competitor. How do you how do you see her? I, and I think that this, the results of this last fight also helps raise um, Nama Yunus's uh, confidence a little bit. She seems to be a fairly a, a bit of an emotional, uh, not so much emotional fighter in the cage, but up until her her fight time. Um, so I was wondering how she was going to react. I mean, obviously she's got her rematch coming up after her loss, but um, if I'm her and seeing that fight go down the way it did, uh, I'm my confidence of, of a rematch and getting my belt back um, with either of those ladies down the line um, is up there. Uh, what, how, how do you see, let's say they, they hold off on Joanna and, and Rose wins her upcoming fight at UFC 250. How do you see Rose and, uh, and Zhang uh, unfolding Fernando? To, to be honest with you, I think the most important thing Rose needs to worry about is that rematch against Jessica Andrade. She was dropped on her head hard in that second round and, and was knocked out. And for a while, we didn't know if she would come back to MMA competition. Uh, you know, she, she was talking about how relieving it was to lose the championship. It was, it was very odd for us at the time uh, to wrap our heads around. So I think that, that would be the most um, – the thing that she needs to worry about the most, however – if she does get past her, uh, that may be one of the most technically sound strawweight matches, women's, forget strawweights, women's matches we've ever seen. Uh, just just the two standing up after seeing the Joanna fight made me think that, uh, yeah, Rose actually has a shot, but she only has a shot if her mind is right. And that's the thing that I, we need to find out when she gets this rematch against uh, Jessica Andrade. Yeah, uh, one of the things just to, to add on to the whole uh, potential of Nama Yunus and, and Zhang uh, with the Jessica Andrade thing that Fernando just mentioned, um, my, remember, you got to remember that Andrade was losing that fight, though. Andrade was not doing well. It's, uh, if, you, if you rewatch it, Rose makes the mistake of holding on. I guess she thought she had a submission. I think she was trying to do a Kimura or a choke. I forget exactly how she got lifted. But uh, I mean, a lot of a lot of folks train for slams. If you watch, uh, if you, I mean, now we're going to go back. Matt, Matt, Matt's mind is already probably there. But if you go back and you look at uh, Rampage versus Sakuraba, you know, Rampage was known for slams back then, and he tried to slam. There's a couple of times where he tries to slam Kazushi Sakuraba, and what Sakuraba does the opposite. He actually goes limp. Let's go, and it, it the the effectiveness of the slam not only goes away. But you know, it's like it's like if you were trying to slam uh uh like your your blanket in you know that you sleep or you cover yourself if you try to slam it and how some it, it somehow kind of like wraps itself around you again. That's kind of like the effect you're looking for outside of just break falling and protecting yourself from what happened. So uh, that wasn't just a 
you know, we all make stupid mistakes in training and in martial arts, and I, I, that was that was something that Rose did that she's probably beat herself up over. But the other thing is too, like you said, Fernando, the fact that she thinks about she doubted a return that kind of that might have an effect on the type of uh, Rose that we get in a rematch. So. That's yeah, I mean, I, I think I think the the fight where she, you know when she got slammed, I, uh, I mean, I think it's such a rarity that I don't think a lot of these fighters necessarily. I mean, I don't think it's that they don't understand that what could happen, but you just don't see it's it doesn't happen very often. Um, you even, I mean, if you remember the play by play for that fight, I think it was Cormier and Rogan, and they were basically stating that. Rose can't be slammed in that position because for some reason she had the Kimura lock and uh, I'm sitting there going, well, she's going to pick her up and screwdriver into the, in the damn mat. Um, and she almost did. I think, I think if I remember right, she, she kind of came close once before that First maybe. Time, yeah. And, and maybe Rose kind of let off a little bit or, or she landed more on her shoulder. I can't remember exactly, but I'm sitting there going, dude, she's going to, this, this chick is, is muscular and, and, superhuman strength for a 115 pound woman she's yeah. gonna pick her up and, and spike her so so I, well, I, one thing I, about i mean she's a purple belt in jiu-jitsu and uh, i'll tell you what that there's uh i made a, a joke about uh you know when you train there's guy when you go through the levels when you're you're <laughs> i always say when you get your purple belt you're always feeling yourself a little bit and that's what leads to injuries i myself i've, I've got i sprained my intercostal twice uh, there's a bunch of dudes that I train with that that competed, and they're like, you know, I can take this ankle lock, and then had their foot bent the other way. You know what I mean? It's just it's it's I don't want to say it's overconfidence, but it, I mean it's obviously you're it's it's a, it's a point where you're doing a lot of trial and error, and you know a lot of times you find out okay, now for next time I know, but you usually find out in situations like that, an injury, a loss, and that's what happened with her. Um, but uh, the whole thing, like you said about Rogan commenting on, you know what I remembered about that was I was like, uh, this is how you know when when we get old because I'm I, you know I'm up there myself. When we get old, we start saying a lot of stupid shit, and and <laughs> and sometimes you just don't notice uh, the stupid shit that comes out of your mouth until after the fact. You know, he also said like Ronda Rousey beating Mayweather and stuff like that, and then retracted it. So we can't, uh, you know, we we can't. Event though, because that was in Brazil. Rogan never goes to Brazil. It might, it might not have been Rogan. It might have been uh, Cormier been was there for sure. Cruz and Cormier. That that makes more sense. Yeah. yeah. Now that you say that, I wasn't sure 100 percent on Rogan, but yeah, Cruz and Cormier. Not that Ed's point still stands. Rogan says plenty of stupid shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, he got he did get a buy that night. Now that now you say that it was it was Cruz and. Um, which honestly makes it a little bit more surprising. I mean, I know Rogan's got a, a, a jiu-jitsu background, but you would think – and and it's kind of one of those defenses that guys go to. So it's not – I mean, maybe if you have uh, – I, I don't know. But anyways, I mean, that fight's going to be a great rematch. Um, you know, Rose will probably come out and throw a flying triangle up in the first 30 seconds and, and win the fight or something crazy like that, um, knowing her past. But uh, the main event uh, of this past Saturday night, uh, most people I, thought was going to be kind of the fight of the year uh, candidate. Yeah. Um, turned out to be more like, uh, you know, the Detroit dance at UFC 9 between Severn and Shamrock um, <laughs> in their rematch. But uh, – I don't really know what to say. Uh, I, I'm not, <laughs> I, I mean, I thought it was going to be a great fight, but it really doesn't surprise me how it unfolded. It, it seems like we, we, this is just kind of this is the sport that we love, and it happens all the damn time. Um, 
I guess my biggest frustration, and for fans who didn't see it, uh, Israel Adesanya uh, retained his belt. Um, unanimous decision, uh, three rounds to two on two of the cards, four rounds to one on, on a third card. Uh, I had it personally, I had it three rounds to two Romero. Uh, I picked out Asanya to win the fight. So this wasn't one that necessarily I was going with the guy. Um, I just, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure how the, we, we talk about this all the time with the judging. The first round was a freak show situation where you literally had Romero basically standing still for like four minutes. Uh, but managing to land like the only four punches of the round uh, or, or, you know, essentially landing the only uh, legitimate punches of the round, I should say. I, I don't even know where to score it. Uh, we've talked about 10, 10 rounds. I think we talked about that with uh, uh, one of our, uh, one of our, who do we, who, uh, one of the boxing guys uh, we've had on the show. We talked to him about, uh, you know, there should be more 10, 10 rounds. I think the first round probably would have been prime 10, 10 round. Uh, Hector. You know? yeah, Hector. There, yeah. there you go. There you go. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I saw Romero winning three rounds to two, hmm. barely. Uh, I, the stats, if you, they mean anything, kind of bear that out. I think I saw the strike stats, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean much. Uh, what did you think, Ed? Uh, I mean, other than the frustration of the fight, uh, did you well, even care who won when it was all said and done? I did, but I'll, I'd actually like to hear from Fernando because this is something we, <laughs> we we were so involved in our Bellator assignments that – we didn't even talk about 248, so I'll let Fernando go. Well, you know how we were speechless for the co-main event. We were speechless for all the wrong reasons in the main event. Uh, I did score the first round 10-10, and pretty much I think I had to fight a draw as a result of that. It was just... Good man. Oh, I like that. Uh, um, <laughs> if I could, I'd score 0-0 for both men. Uh, it, it was it was that bad <laughs> of a... Uh, you know... I. I don't agree with, with Dana White a lot when he starts bashing on fighters. Um, I, I will agree that if you're the challenger in Yoel Romero and you're coming off two straight losses and you didn't even really deserve this title opportunity, you got this title opportunity because Paulo Acosta uh, had to undergo surgery, you, we need to see more of that. Uh, look, doing enough to, to, to win the fight, yes, obviously, but there was there was really no sense of urgency from Romero and Adesanya has no reason to show a sense of urgency. If he feels like, okay, I'll just stand back and, you know, keep kicking that, that lead leg. Um, really, really bizarre fight. How Romero was trying to go Adesanya into fighting. I thought maybe in the first one or two rounds that what Romero was trying to do was lure Adesanya into a false sense of security Similar, he did a similar thing against Luke Rockhold. I mean, he was more slow mm-hmm. and, and plotting early in that fight, but then he caught him, I believe, in the in the third round with you know his explosive power. And really, that's just not what happened. So uh, I thought it was a, a pretty disappointing performance from uh, both guys. But um, Adesanya was the champion, and his goal was to retain. And Romero didn't do much for a guy who really this was his last opportunity. Yeah, man. So, I mean, if you uh, actually, and it's, I often take myself outside of my own fan shoes after an event. When it's happening, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm just as pissed as you guys are. I'm kind of like, what the f's going on here? You know, it always takes me at least, at least twenty to thirty minutes after everything has finished before I go back and you know step outside of myself and say, let me just look, be try to be a uh, 
you know, objective about it. So, and I, I wrote about it. It is one of the takeaways in the seven takeaways piece. Um, so, but it's to, to the point that you said, Fernando, if, if you're the challenger, especially if you're Romero, and this is likely your last shot at it, at some point in the fight, you have to go, I mean, if you're going zero, zero, zero to lull him into a false sense of security, you got to go to 100 at some point. And you would think that point would have been rounds three and four. But um, I think it was around the third or fourth round that I was just like, Adesanya is going to win this whole thing just throwing leg kicks. And that's pretty much what happened. I mean, uh, I know his, I saw a pretty good image of, of Romero's leg from the fourth round. And it was pretty lumped up. I, I know he was dancing salsa or whatever at, at the press conference to show that he was all right. But I mean, you know, it's it's anything you do in, in training in martial arts when you, when you take hits and stuff, you 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 feel the worst of it the next day, not the night of or the day of. So, um, yeah, man. I mean, I I, uh, I was disappointed, but I, I people want to if you're to assign fault to anyone for me. And I hate to say it because I actually picked Romero's fat ass to win. <laughs> but I know he's not fat. But as I, back in the day, I used to call big dudes that were jacked fat just to mess with them. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I picked him to win just because I thought – I actually thought uh, – one of my training partners actually had a great quote that I was going to use if Romero won. And he said, you know, Romero's got more than a puncher's chance, and he just never took that chance. So – I just think Romero's a, a, a horse of a different color. Um, I mean, he's just a weird dude. I mean, I, we can we can say I, it's I the argue that. you know what I mean. We, <laughs> we can say that there's the the uh, the language barrier or the you know, but he just it, it's as if yeah. I mean, when he's doing you know, I, first of all, I thought he won. Uh, or or a draw. I mean, I, I I didn't think Adesanya won the fight. I was not impressed with Adesanya. To me, if you're the undefeated champion. Go in there and eliminate these fools. Uh, most dominant champions over history do that. Um, now, all, all dominant champions also have fights similar to this. So mm. hopefully this is a one-off uh, for Israel. Um, and I have no reason to believe that it's not. Mm. But, um, you know, I just I, – I, I, for Romero to take the mic at the end and kind of his whole shtick about, you know, how he was the one ready to fight, it's as if he doesn't remember that he stood there still in the middle of the cage for four minutes with – with you know covering up uh yeah. not, you know he didn't throw the first strike of the fight for for three and a half four minutes um i i just it's so bizarre and it's like it's as if he doesn't now he's the people's champ quote unquote i guess um uh, you know it's like it's <laughs> like where do you do you does it not compute in his head that like he's owing three in title fights granted a lot of people thought he won at least one of the Whitaker fights uh, i tend to also kind of fall into that category yeah but, yeah but it's all it's all similar to this where he, he gave away he gave away rounds um he had rounds where he really just doesn't do anything and it i, I feel like that's always it's it's even no, his non-title fights uh i feel uh, even with costa um who jake sage uh, mentions how he'd love to see that fight in july for fight week yeah. uh costa and adesanya i feel like even romero costa i mean even in the war we saw i feel like the uh early in that fight romero was kind of lackadaisical and it's like he relies on this and those are three rounds fights maybe he thought for a five round fight he'd be able to to work it um we also mentioned how for a gold medalist wrestler the dude just doesn't use wrestling. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, I get, I get the fame and the glory of winning yeah, that, the huge that knockout. Cormier actually commented on that during the fight that he, he almost with frustration, like, you know, like he just he just doesn't wrestle. 
I mean, they yeah. shouldn't even mention that he's a gold, uh, silver medalist Olympic wrestler anymore. I mean, it's it's just like they might as well run, mention that he was a sandcastle champion in in Cuba in, in 1976. <laughs> you know, like it, it doesn't it's irrelevant. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it would, it'd be like mention someone's a K1 champion and then pulling guard nonstop. Uh, you think they're going to have sandcastle building on the zone? Uh, you know, <laughs> I'd rather watch that than a re- replay of that fight. But um, you know, I, I just it's just it's just a weird. A weird thing, so I, I don't. It's frustrating because I bet you it's on ESPN Plus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you ain't gonna pay for it. Uh, you pay for as much as that as you do for the fights. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so frustrating. Um, Romero still has the name value. He's still gonna have. Uh, uh, I mean, he's up there. What is he? Forty two, forty three now. Um, he's still gonna have a couple good big fights in the UFC. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he gets to the title fight, but. Again, who the hell knows if he steps in last minute against somebody and knocks out a Darren Till or knocks out a, you know, another uh, a Gasolum, um, somebody else who's kind of in line. I mean, the chips can fall. Yeah. He's you've got a title shot coming off of two losses. If he picks up another t- a top five win, who knows? Dana White will say anything. Mm. Um, but if, if, if I, I don't see it happening, but maybe that's in his mind. He just thinks I was just gifted a title shot now and uh why can't I get gifted another one? I don't know. But a um, lot of, uh, you know, Adesanya Costa seems like definitely the fight to make. Um, I don't really see any other fight that there is, assuming yeah. that uh, and assuming everybody stays clean um, <laughs> to get to that point. Uh, Costa looked like he was about 275 over the weekend. So yeah. he's, he's going to have to uh, lay off the uh, Fernando William barbecue a little bit. Yeah, no, for, seriously, he was looking a little thick in the in the crowd there, but. Fernando, uh, you watched the press conference, right? I, wa- uh, I watched uh, some of it, some of uh, Dana White's, um, what Dana yeah. White had to So that's what I'm trying to figure, because I got the sense that Dana White pretty much said that he's not going to give Romero any other chances because of that performance. He yeah, said, well, like, he said White, last year. Go ahead, I'm sorry. He, he said flat out that, that – uh, that, that this, this was uh, Romero's last chance. He said, "I he said I guess he could go out and have another performance." And then he said, "You know, you know, Dana's typical. We'll we'll see what happens." But um, you know what really hurt this fight more than the obvious of how disappointing it was is that I feel like we were sold a bunch of goods. We were sold a bill of goods with this fight. Mm. What was the whole basis on this fight? Israel Adesanya is going to call out the big bad wolf, the guy who nobody wants to call out. So I'm going to take it to him. I'm going to give an impressive performance. That didn't happen at all. So people were, were just sold on Romero being this this unstoppable force, this guy who nobody wanted to fight. They did a hell of a job promoting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then when the fight actually happened, it turned out to be uh, kind of like snake oil. It just... It, it, it just did not deliver uh, to expectations. So uh, that mixed in with Romero's age, I would be, you know, I wouldn't say I'd be surprised if he gets another title shot, but that's going to be a tough hill to climb. Yeah, I agree, man. That, I mean, we, that, it was definitely a dud. But uh, um, the one thing I got to say about Adesanya, uh, at, during the post-fight press conference, he did say, that uh, there was a point in the early rounds, it was either round, I think it was round one, the first overhand left that he got rocked with, whatever, whenever that happened, first or second round. First round, um, like first punch of the fight, basically. For- <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's the one that, that he said, he actually, that was his attempt to try to do 
what he normally does. And he said when because he, he he did get a little mouse above his eye from that fight. But he said when he felt it, he admitted that it rocked him, and he was like, "I'm not gonna, you know, it's it's his first title defense too. I mean, he's a new champion, you know, so he he's he's learning. Uh, I hate to say it, but you know, these guys want to hold their belts as long as they can, and if if you can leg kick your way into a title defense, then you know, I'm not going to fault him for that. Again, the the onus is on on Romero. You know, it's it's your shot. You gotta, you gotta. You, just like Adesanya said, he he's, he. I think he hinted at this too, with because he mentioned the Gaslam fight a bunch of times afterwards, and he was like, when Gaslam and I were fighting, you know, I I fought like I wanted it more, and the and the the, the onus is on Romero. Like you got to fight like you want it more. And Romero, <laughs> like you said, I don't know if he was just. Uh, uh, maybe he thought it was a ten round fight or something. I don't know, but yeah, he didn't fight that way. He wanted yeah, I mean, to win the championship. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I think you used to fight Tito Ortiz for that. Then that we can finally <laughs> uh, get rid of that hashtag. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the uh, Adesanya got lucky though, uh, and and not not lucky to win the fight, but in the sense that by winning the fight, he takes a lot of the pressure off of him. Um, he had a lot of equity built up because of the, the Whitaker and Gaslam fight um, and, and his Brunson fight and, and all, all the fights where he was a killer. Had he lost this fight, who knows where, you know, who knows what that press, that uh, post fight press conference is with Dana White. He might be talking about how, you know, God only knows what he'd say about Asanya losing that fight, how far he falls down the chain, um, you know, who, you know, it, it, he might have been three or four fights away again from a title fight um, based off that performance. So I would just say Israel really needs to, you know, he needs to do what he needs to do to win. Winning's obviously the most important thing. But um, if he loses a fight like that uh, with that kind of performance, I I, uh, I could see the UFC turning on him quicker than, uh, you know, we've seen it before. Yeah. You know, the thing with UFC, we're getting low on time here, but uh, they, they turn around quick with events. Uh, this weekend, they, they travel back down to Brazil. A um, couple fights of note. Uh, Kevin Lee, Charles Oliveira, main event. Uh, Lee coming off of his win of Gillespie. Oliveira just constantly beating people. Um, I believe he's the all-time uh, submission leader in, uh, in, in UFC history. Um, Good fight, fun fight. Uh, I think Lee wins this fight. Uh, I, I think uh, Oliveira struggles when you get into the top three, top five of the divisions generally. Um, at least that's been his history. Maybe this is where he kind of gets over the hump. Um, but that's that's a that's a real good fight. I don't know if you guys have any quick thoughts on that, Fernando. I would just say this. Uh, since uh, this will be headlining UFC Brasilia, it'll be a five-round fight. Kevin Lee's had cardio issues in the past. I think Rafael Dos Santos exploited that beautifully, right? So I think he, he needs to be cognizant of that. Uh, to be honest with you, I think Kevin Lee needs to finish this fight within the first two rounds or else he's in trouble. Interesting. How about you, Ed? I mean, um, maybe I'm just writing off of that knockout that he the, from his last fight. But uh, I, I feel like, uh, I don't know, I just got a sense that he's got renewed vigor, renewed interest in competition and stuff like that. Um, again, we, we won't know until we see, uh, you know, how he's doing um, out there and, and when the fight happens. Because like you said, Ke- like uh, Fernando said, you know, Kevin Kevin Lee, yeah, I mean, he does have cardio issues, but he definitely still tries to push through stuff. So, um, uh, I mean, and I like Oliveira too, but, uh, I mean, uh, you know what? You shouldn't even ask me picks anymore because my picks are horrible. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, with that said, we won't pick necessarily the Kona main event, but um, this is a the co-main event of this night is kind of like the uh, potentially the Romero Adesanya of grappling um, with with Damian Maya and Gilbert Burns. Um, these fights never unfold the way we dream about them. I mean, in our minds, we think this is a bunch of transitions and sub attempts and just just ap- you know just glorious jujitsu action mm-hmm. um it'll probably end up being a kickboxing bout between two of the two of the best current bjj guys in, in all of mma um i mean without picking anything do you guys see it unfolding any other way than that no <laughs> <laughs> i think it's going to be a mostly contested in the kickboxing matchup but but you know what sometimes it could end up being uh, uh pretty fun you know ben Askren stand up uh Left a lot to be desired, obviously, but you know it forced him to stand up when he fought Damian Maya. So it was a pretty entertaining fight, you know, until it got to the ground and Maya's grappling proved to be too much. So I do think this would be a, a contested on on the on the feet mostly, but if it gets to the ground eventually, we'll be in for a treat. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I always ask the question too when I talk to fighters, like um, even when at the Bellator press conference with uh, Eleanor and uh, Cal Eleanor and James Gallagher's matchup, they both carry a lot of submission wins on their record so you know i asked them both the same question if they thought it would cancel each other out and um uh one of them said you know pretty much that the answer was yes so i feel like the guy in this matchup with burns and and maya the guy that 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 feels like they have the superior striking will will try to keep it standing and, and maybe force it uh they both compete i mean gilbert burns is uh He's never really not in some sort of camp or training, so um, he is the younger guy. I feel like for a younger guy, when it comes to striking and throw output and stuff like that, he could win a decision on the feet. So I, I would give the edge to Burns on the feet uh, if, if that's how it goes. However, I mean, the, they, I don't want to say they cancel each other out in the grappling aspect, but they both have the same type of jiu-jitsu by that i mean you're not going to see inverted guards or leg locks from these guys unless it's a straight ankle lock or a knee bar but uh there's jiu-jitsu and then there's mma jiu-jitsu and i feel like mma just like they have for wrestling you know there's wrestling there's mma wrestling the same thing goes for uh these guys jiu-jitsu games i feel like um maya's jiu-jitsu because he's been doing it longer he's got more a better MMA jiu-jitsu and might have the edge on the ground. Plus, he's got that ectomorph body type, that long, lanky, wiry guy build, and uh, that makes for a horrible grapple if you've ever grappled with anybody with that build. Yeah, I see Jake Sage real quick asked if he thinks Johnny Walker's hype train uh, will be derailed this weekend or will he start back it up. Uh, just real quick, I, I, I think Johnny Walker is a good, exciting fighter. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a world champion. Um However, I do think Krylov is potentially world champion caliber. Um, he, he's got a tough loss to uh, Blakovic and um, and Glover, uh, but I, I think that at 27 years old, they're both these both these guys fighting this weekend are 27. But mm-hmm. I, I think Krylov has a higher uh, upside um, in MMA. So while well, while don't I think, we have a I think we have an interview with Walker up on MMAnews.com, don't we, Fernando? <laughs> Uh, Cole Shelton interviewed uh, Johnny Walker recently. He seems uh, very, very focused and intent. Definitely uh, doesn't appear like the loss to Corey Anderson uh, took a hit to his confidence. Maybe it did for like a week or two, but 
he definitely seems like uh, he's back on track going into the fight with Carlo. It's a great fight. Uh, really could could really be up there. So um, I, I look forward to that fight, uh, a couple of the bigger boys, and, and it'll be interesting to see how L. Walker rebounds. And uh, But I, I just uh, – I, I think Krylov is. I think he's got heavy potential. Um, I think Walker does too. I just think he. Hey guys, Ed here, East Coast side of the Coast to Coast Combat Hour podcast. If you like what we're doing, make sure you subscribe on YouTube and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, if you'd like to help us out and donate, uh, the support links are in any of the uh, podcast descriptions and some the links are also provided on our YouTube channel, The Blogboard Jungle. Um, thanks again for listening. And if you give us some support, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast, maybe... Uh, bring you on for a UFC pay-per-view breakdown or two. Thanks again.